So welcome back to this bonus episode of Drunk Bible Study Samuel Second Edition. Uh, we're getting we're getting real close to the end here of Second Samuel. I can feel it coming. Mm. And on this episode, we had a a long, beautiful song moving <laughs> from Samuel. It was really quite something. It was a lot of song. Yeah, I could. I, I didn't quite know what to make of it, but it was a song, all right. I don't know if I would call it moving. It wasn't. I wasn't moved, but maybe yeah. some people would be. Maybe some people. Would I think be. David I don't know. moved himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> he definitely did. Yeah, that's like one of those like Kanye West things. Like afterwards, he'd be crying about how beautiful it was. Yeah, yeah. you know, I. This is another one of my random tangents, but um, I went to this like drumming workshop or whatever years and years ago that was Mm -hmm. a drummer from some like old like hair metal band like some maybe prog rock band or something from from back in like the 80s 80s and 90s and Mm -hmm. he was doing this workshop where he was talking to musicians and stuff about drums and would end up like talking about some technique and start to do it and then he would just do this like four or five minute long drum solo and then he would finish that and then he'd go back to talking about something else and one of my friends was doing his like impression of that workshop after the fact to me and his impression of the guy was like all right so you know you're going to use this technique where you're going to you know do this and you'll hit the symbol at the same time where you're doing a sort of a syncopation with your left hand and oh my god I'm awesome and then he just like, <laughs> does his drum solo it just kind Good of reminded Lord. me of David a little bit he's like oh singing about Yahweh and he's like and he helped me win, and I beat these guys. And oh my god, I'm awesome! Because <laughs> I, I was so good, I was so perfect. <laughs> That's exactly no wonder. What of course, it all makes yeah. sense now. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, let me dive in here real quick to talk about this whole thing with Joab and his sleight of hand with his sword, Ooh, or his okay. sword falling out. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot because it seems like among the people who've done commentary on this, the most common explanation is that his sword fell. He picked it up with his left hand and because he picked it up with his left hand as though to like put it back in, that's not suspicious, you know, like that this, you know, no one suspects the left hand. hand. No one suspects the left hand. And so like Amasa's like, I don't need to guard against that. He's just putting his sword back. But instead Job was like, psych and sploosh into the guts. Sploosh. Gross. Wow. Goodness. Is that. Okay. I guess I could see that if he's like walking in and it's like, Okay, so if your sheath is on your left side, right, and you you draw it out with your right hand to fight with it, yeah. So it falls out, like oh, whoops, clumsy me. And you grab it with your left hand, and they think nothing of it because it's not in your fighting hand. But then he just had mm-hmm. it there, and then did the stabbies with it. Maybe mm-hmm. I could see that being a cool move. I wondered because they mentioned about him having a sash that tied it on him instead of a belt right and i'm like did he rig this specifically that's what i'm saying yeah i'm I'm saying i think it was a stunt Mm, yeah i could see joab pulling some stunts yeah that's all i got for that particular part of the story i got more now that i think of it as jonathan banks it makes more sense because like yes in better call saul he does a lot of that like i'm just an old man trying to get by and you know drops out the sword but dropping my sword Sploosh. Gross. Sploosh, exactly. Gross. Gracious. What have you got, Chase? Uh, yeah. Okay, so I looked up some stuff about these giant brothers. Brothers. 
The giants. Uh, the giant brothers in the sky. The giants in the sky, yeah. And so, okay. In looking into it, I found a couple interesting things. So one is that in so in the translation that we read, in the World English Bible, it just kept calling them sons of the giant or something like that, or sons of mm -hmm. giants. And in the message, it kept calling them sons of Rapha, like R-A-P-H-A. Hmm. Who's oh, that? Curious. And I was like, yeah, what's that about? And so in researching this, it's that basically if you interpret Rapha to be a proper name, like that's a person, then it's like, oh, then these were all four brothers of each other and also brothers of Goliath from before. But Oh, so they're also all related to Goliath, allegedly. If you interpret Rafa to be a person. But it seems like the more common interpretation is that this Rafa is the Raphaim Rafa. Oh. So in looking into that, I've been confused about Can, the names I'm, of giants. <laughs> I'm sorry, can you tell me who that is? Because Dedeker's like, oh, and I'm like, huh, who? Well, okay, so I found this article that sums up giants in the Bible, basically. And okay. there's a few different like tribes or clans or lineages or whatever of giants. So first, there was the Anakim, which Emily and I called the Duvakin. Uh, yeah, right. Dovakin. Dovakin. Yeah. So the the Anakim, who were descended from the Nephilim, who were the like half angel people, the uh -huh. Nephilim were like the angel people, and the Anakim were descendants of them. So those are the ones in Genesis, also in Numbers, and then were mentioned also in Joshua briefly. Okay. And then later we got these other tall people known as the Emim. And the Zamzumim, I think I remember saying that Zam once. that does sound vaguely familiar. <laughs> also called the Zuzim, and these were in Deuteronomy. So this is sort of like another population of large people, giants, I guess. And then there's the Amorites, who were also believed to be quite tall. We're going to get more about them later in the Bible, I guess. Uh, okay. And then lastly, there's the Rephaim who are mentioned nearly 20 times, most often with the conquest of the promised land, like the Philistines. This was King Og of Bashan, who's the one who had that mm. bed that was... I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whose bed measured 13 feet in length. So, right. Big so bed boy. Deuteronomy and Joshua, and then also 2 Samuel, and then uh, later in... Um, in another book too, we're going to get Rafa again. So anyway, that Rafa and the Raphaim is probably the same thing. And it's just, you know, like we say the Benjamites or we say the sons of Benjamin, that they're kind of mm -hmm. using it in that same sort of sense. So they might not be actual brothers of Goliath, but are probably related to him or probably from that okay. same tribe or whatever. Uh, and then the one other thing I looked up related to that is that it mentioned one of them having six fingers and six toes on each limb. Uh, and so he had 24, 24 fingers and toes altogether. And I looked into that a little bit. We, tr we were trying to come up with the word during the episode, and it's polydactyly is the, yes. the term. Or wow. hyperdactyl. Hyperdactyl okay. as well. Like pterodactyl, as mm, okay. some yes. of our listeners were saying. Yes. Right, right. 
So, um, so polydactyly is having more than five fingers or toes. Um, and there's another term uh, and now I'm, now I can't find it, but it's, there's another term for having less than five. Uh-huh. Um, it's oligodactyly. Oligodactyly oh. is having fewer. Odd. So like the, the Simpsons. The Simpsons have oligodactyly. Or like most cartoons. Most cartoons. Most okay. cartoons. Yeah. So what I learned about this was kind of interesting because I didn't know a ton about it. Um, but basically there's a bunch of different ways that it can present. A lot of times it's, um, a small finger that's not fully formed and can't move on its own is sort of like Mm -hmm. attached to another one. Um, and those nowadays in Western culture, at least are usually removed at birth. Um, you know, they'll they'll surgically remove it. However, however, sometimes they are actually fully formed independent fingers that can move completely on their own, just like any other finger. And those can't imagine. I know. Right. So one, they're much, much more complicated to remove. Well, all of them are complicated to remove because they have their whole own set of tendons and joints and everything. So it's not just removing. It's like, you've got to restructure the whole hand and hands are complicated. If you know anyone who's yeah, ever had hand they're surgery. They're very delicate. And yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on in the hand. Yeah. A lot of different bones. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there, there's been some research somewhat recently of people who, because um, it's hereditary. So like a mother and a son, for example, who both have six fingers on each hand. Uh, basically, they have an extra finger kind of in between their index and their thumb. That's like another fully functioning finger that has like the range of motion of a thumb. So like more of a circular range of motion instead of just up and down like fingers do, you know, they don't move mm-hmm. side to side as well, but it has three joints like a finger instead of just two, or I'm sorry, two, two joints, three sections like a finger instead of just the two, like a thumb. And okay. they de- devised like a whole bunch of tests and things to try to measure how independently it can be used. Does it take extra brain power to use it independently. Like they developed a custom computer game that has controls on a keyboard where you okay, can use sorry, all six fingers. Okay, sorry, hold on, hold on, Jason, hold on, hold on, just hold on. Yeah, okay. yeah. I did not expect that we were going to take this deep of a dive. It was so fascinating though. This is, it's one, fun, verse, it's this is one, a singular verse in the Bible. <laughs> well, okay, let me bring it back to the Bible then. So aside from this, which is cool, uh, what's interesting about the Bible and just sort of historically is that six fingers historically is sometimes like a sign of a villain of a bad guy, but it's also sometimes the mark, the mark of a King, uh, like that it's seen as sort of a blessing. Uh, so it's interesting that through history, it's both been seen as this sign of being bad or a sign of being good. So anyway, Hmm. that's, that's, I just thought that was interesting. And I ended up going down a rabbit hole, looking up stuff about that. Yeah. Wow. Well, I don't have a lot of like science facts to follow that up with. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, but please, by all means. What I do have, though, is um, I wanted to get to the bottom of like, okay, how do people interpret the story of the 10 concubines? Mm. What are Christians doing specifically with this? How are they dealing with this? How are they, right. how are they doing with right. this? You know, I'm always curious whenever we come across something that's really violent or sexual assaultish mm-hmm. or <laughs> just like truly awful when it's like the people that we're supposed to think is being like the good guys are kind of being not so great. Um, I'm always curious to know how is this interpreted? And so I found four different hot takes 
And I'm going to explain them to you in order of worst to best, in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Um, because, yeah, I found a lot of people on their Christian blogs writing about this stuff. So first take I found was from um, KentuckyHeron.blogspot.com. Um, his take is that, like, the virgins deserved it. The treatment they got from David, as in. You know, the, con- the concubines Boy. deserved it, you yes. know, because if you remember in the story, like David comes back, he puts them, quote unquote, in custody, feeds them, but basically they're forgotten till the end of their days. So this guy's take on it is that like, yeah, that was their punishment and they should have because Wait, clearly they, there's they evidence. There's evidence that they went willingly to Absalom. There's a lot of extrapolation a, this person yeah, makes. Yeah. That's ridiculous, but okay. Actually, this is not the only place that I found. People are like, oh yeah, about half the people went with Absalom, so it makes sense if half the concubines were on Absalom's side also. The like mental you gymnastics know, people will do it, to justify yeah, things. This guy's also trying to make the argument that they were still virgins, and so clearly it's extra bad because the virgins were violated, and so like they deserve to get this kind of fate. So that was the worst take. We're gonna go on to the second worst take. Um, okay, great. I'm just, I'm just gonna read this to you. This is copyrighted 1988. I don't know what this mm. was originally published in, but this was somebody's Year I was take. Born. Yeah, this is somebody's oh take. Um, when David returned home after the tragic death of his rebel son, he took the ten concubines Absalom had outraged and kept them in pleasant captivity as widows, having no further sexual contact with them. What a boon Christianity brought womanhood. Through grace, woman is elevated to her God-given position as man's companion, not chattel. So this person's making the take that, like, okay, first of all, pleasant captivity right, is just right. what a what pleasant. a what a combination of yeah. terms. I I was uh, my mouth was just completely slack there. <laughs> right. like, I was without uh-huh. speech. Perhaps There's we should a lot put going this, on there. this writer into pleasant captivity somewhere. <laughs> See how yeah, he likes definitely. it yeah. away yeah. away from it, keyboards actually. or the internet. Yeah. I suppose this person is trying to make the argument that Absalom treated them like chattel by just raping them and David's not going to not going to have sex with them and he's going to keep them in pleasant captivity and how great is that what a boon as he says wonderful now yeah. christianity's now, lifting them up really <laughs> uh, the idea of them li- li- of christianity lifting them up is a bit wild right there but but what if i mean they're concubines what if they didn't love sleeping with David anyway and assuming this wasn't like in a prison cell, but it was just like you're under house arrest, you're provided for and you lived out your days. Maybe it wasn't so bad. I mean, OK, well, this be. this leads me to the next okay. best take, okay. um, which is from the Her- the Hermeneutics Stack Exchange, mm, which right. I, I end up on often in yep. researching for this show. This person makes the argument that in many parts of the ancient world, a woman who had been previously married to a king couldn't be remarried to anyone else except for another king. And these women weren't married to him though. Well, but they still belonged to him. Okay. They were still his, you know. But also that David is recognizing that if he just like he can't he can't sleep with these women again because they've been defiled by Absalom. Can't do that, obviously. <sighs> but he knows that if he just gets rid of them, that like it's gonna ruin their lives, right? Because they can't really remarry. And so if they can't really remarry, there isn't really that much of a good social system in place to take care of them if they're just these these, you know, devalued widows. Right. And so he's trying to stay in integrity with himself and like, like, well, the law kind of prevents me from being able to 
still sleep with these women, but I can at least take care of them and not throw them out on the street. Okay. Um, I can see that fitting with what we've learned so far about Mm -hmm. how this would have gone down. And also the verse of like that they remained widows, even though clearly the person that they originally belonged to is not dead, that this person interprets that is that he kind of grants on them this premature status of royal widows and kind of the status of like what a royal, how a royal widow would be treated. Okay. Okay. You know, where she can't be married off again because she's a royal widow, but she's a royal widow. So we're still going to take care of her. Essentially. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Now I'm going to get to the last take, which in my, it, it aligns with my opinion. And so therefore it's I judge best. it to be the okay. best take. Already. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, this is from a blog called Virtuous Girls. It's a WordPress blog. Well, okay, um, great. We're off to a, a good start. Virtuous <laughs> Girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Emily, if you could write that take on Promiscuous Girls. Yeah, exactly. Virtuous Girls. Virtuous Girls. Oh my god, that's uh, totally something I would have listened to. in my in me. Yeah. Totally, yeah. Yeah, in my evangelical Christian days, somebody would have done that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but bad. this person makes the argument of like, David's concubines were not treated the way God intended for women to be treated in general. Like they were owned, they were used as objects. They weren't treated as people. They weren't respected and loved. And like they Mm. were violated and raped and abused. And then they were just like cast aside like garbage. And this person goes on to make the argument of like, that's not how women should be treated. And goes on to talk about how Jesus, how Christ comes along and, and is more of an example of treating women actually with respect and dignity. Would and you agree with that? I would, actually. Okay. Honestly, I would. Because yeah, I, guess we'll I feel like that. that. Well, we'll see when he we very, get there, but from what I remember. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. very comfortably kind of breaks social laws barriers. and social barriers to yeah. like, interact with women, and especially interact with women that are considered to be violated or dirty or unclean mm-hmm. and stuff like That's that. True. And just it's like, hey, yeah, come hang out with me. You know, you're still a person. So, yes, I would actually agree with that. That's, All right. that's my roundup of hot takes on the concubines. Beautiful. Wow. 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 <laughs> that was very interesting. I appreciate you two uh, finding out all of this this week. <laughs> I hope that you out there, dear listener, enjoyed it. And next week is it for the the trials and for tribulations of Samuel we're 1 done. and 2. <laughs> no, we're, we're not. We're not even close. But Samuel 1 and 2, that's going to be it. So how exciting is that? Yeah, wow. end of an era. Indeed. So stay tuned for that, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>